Coming to you from Charlottesville, Virginia, this is On Simpler, a limited series podcast brought to you by Master of Public Policy students from the Frank Batten School of Leadership and Public Policy at the University of Virginia. Throughout the four-episode series, we will be discussing Cass Sunstein's 2013 book, Simpler, The Future of Government. Sunstein, a Harvard Law professor, served in the Obama administration from 2009 to 2012 as the administrator of the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, otherwise known as the Regulatory Czar. I'm Joshua Margulies. Welcome to On Simpler. This is episode two of On Simpler, the second of a two-part roundtable discussion. I I did like, I really did like eight in terms of the... um... Eliminating red tape. No, I liked the um, part. So I, what I wanted to mention before when he was talking about, like, in the chapter one, how much, like, some people on the left and many people on the right were giving him, how much they were giving him. He was talking about how, like, the ideologues on both sides also have it wrong when, when it comes to BCA. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's nice. <laughs> I, like to, I like it when ideologues lose. But that's just... Yeah. <laughs> the, just... I, I like that whole breakdown of, like, an empirical study of, like, BCAs and actually, like, they overestimate costs, like, just as much as they overestimate benefits. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was that was cool to me. I don't know if you guys have anything else to add to that because I don't know if you guys would, like, disagree particularly. But and well, I, don't, I don't know what you guys think about Josh BCA said. as a tool like for policy that like we've talked about in Shimshack's class because obviously we heard some critiques. Um, there are people who definitely, I mean, rightfully so, have skepticism on like putting a price on a life. Um, well, so maybe, that's not what they're doing, right? They're not putting a price on a life. It's just a bit, it's the BSL, bro. <laughs> I, do have, I do have a question about that. He framed BCA as, as a nudge to government, which I thought was bizarre. Because in my mind, nudges are something very yeah simple. That totally. And BCAs are like a massive undertaking. Did he frame it as a nudge? He called. It, like, but does, was, isn't he calling it he a nudge it for a nudge. not for the not for people, but for the government itself? Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. So in what in what way is it a nudge? Like, I think I, I think I understand what he is getting at it's a way for like to say like hey government when you like implement something like really think this one through buddy it's like activating their system too oh okay Here, yeah he had a line yeah, but i'm just like but it's on page one something simple not like hey but he was here take this if you massive... do it enough times though then it like is routine and his whole point is like we need to retrospectively like use bcas and like get more comfortable and like make it routine where that like we just do it and we actually have a better understanding of what works and what doesn't, right? Well, well I think to what no. you were saying, right? His like line was that one, you're providing two. a system two check of operations on system one. So like you're being, yeah, you're providing a more analytical approach to you know your former impulsiveness. Right? Yeah, I totally, I totally. And then you're gonna feel your impulsiveness. I understand. I understand. What he see, I think I understand. What he sees is the utility of BCA, and it is just that it's to sort of say when when government system one says we need to, I don't know, whatever, like save lives, we should mandate side airbags on every car or something. BCA, it's is like the system two coming in saying, well, is that actually going to save any lives, and how expensive is that going to be? I get that. 
but it, I, I just think it's bizarre to frame it as a nudge. I think was my mm. was my point. But maybe it's a nudge and just like the nudge is just like saying you have to do this thing is the nudge, and then that's enough for people to say like when they think of a policy being like yeah, but that wouldn't pass a BCA. And so they don't even... He, he also brings up a case where, like, the guy who got into a car accident, like, a part of his brain is damaged, right? And he can no longer feel emotion, so he's only system two. That was but fascinating. It's, yeah. yeah. But it, it's a highly flawed way of going about life, right? It, like, you, you you cannot function, right? You, you get stalled, and you just sit there and meander, and nothing happens. What I read out of that was just, like, the inability to make any sort of values judgment. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that, that's missing as well, yes. Because you can, like, quantify all this stuff all you want, but if you aren't able to apply some, like, oh, this matters more than this because of these, like, not immediately quantifiable factors, then, like, you're stuck forever. Yeah. Doesn't he have you're a... You're absolutely right. Doesn't he have a very long tirade about values? Yeah. He has the whole point of, like, some things could be assessed separately of a CBA, which, like, hit home for me. <clears throat> yes. Yes. I'm talking about something I think later, but yes, I recall this as well. That was another point that the book brought up, is, like, if you leave any window for values, the trade-off is that people can inflate that part to be as much of the pie as they want. Right. And it, it's unquantifiable. Right. And I think, yeah, like, wasn't there, there was a part in there, uh, where, like, people got all, like, hot and bothered because, like, Obama, like, had some, like, value kind of based assessment or something, and they didn't. Oh, it was, was like, they added human dignity to, like, a benefit, and they were, like, people were, like, oh, this is just, like, of course, like, right-wingers, um, were opposed to it without even looking into what that meant, but... Like reducing suffering, <laughs> like vulnerable people. That's what that means. <laughs> I feel like we, at some point, we should talk about like how we we should use all those stuff as leaders. Yeah, as leaders. Let's do. It. I think that's right. Can, before we get there, can I talk? Can we talk about something very inane that we haven't talked about yet? Do it. I mean, insane. Give us a no. page number. <laughs> inane. My plate, dude. He makes such a big deal out of this. When he oh, was like, that was a good to, section. To be it was fair. a great. It was a great section. But I remember when this, when when the plate came out, I looked at it and I said, <laughs> I was like, that's dumb. <laughs> I mean, not that the not that the food pyramid was good. How hot can I stack my mashed potatoes? Food pyramid is like the worst <laughs> thing that's ever happened in this country. Yeah, one of the worst <laughs> things that's ever happened. But like, choose my plate. Yeah, it's really funny when you refer to or when like government. Pages when it comes to food referred to it like if you check the the my plate then no one's gonna do that like no one's gonna check the my plate come on <laughs> it's the same well no yeah and it's the same for because I think doesn't he tout the college scorecard in here too somewhere or at least yeah mentions it which is another thing that I think they've shown is like no one really looks at this and like like I, I think people at the government are like how do we get more people to pay attention to this thing and it's like well that probably means that like you had you're doing it wrong in the first place you gotta put the cost scorecard on bro bible man that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the only way yeah. government <laughs> intervention there I don't reach one market <laughs> one of the other things that like always like kind of put up a red flag in my head was that like the let's move campaign everyone says like oh it was very effective in reducing obesity rates and it was just like uh, 
Is it like proven? He what about the thing though where kids acted differently around a picture of Michelle Obama versus which I was fascinated by? I was, I was trying to picture that, that. that much impact. I was trying to picture like well, he was implying that they they all recognize her. That was the study, right? That they recognize who she is and like what her movement was, right? And versus Anne Romney. It didn't explicitly make those assumptions, but the results concluded that like after you saw a picture of her, you eat less. Right? Yeah, like things no, you worked choose, out better yeah. if you were around yeah. Michelle Obama's no, picture. You chose the vegetables over like the yeah sweeter goods that you had at your disposal. Oh, I should have brought so. that as my candy to this. Maybe yeah, she's like, all over the place at like public schools. Yeah, I mean Walter, you might know. You were a teacher during. I was a te- I was a teacher during. Did the, you hang up a portrait of Obama her? administration? Yeah, we we put. Like we didn't have hotels. an American flag in the room, so we just pledged allegiance <laughs> to a <laughs> large <laughs> photograph of Michelle and Barack Obama. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, and also like our school lunches were were bad, as as I recollect. So, no, it was not it was not an ever present thing in the in the school that I taught at, at least. Um, I'm yeah, so I'm still skeptical. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea if it's shown. I mean, Sunstein <laughs> seems to think that it, like he he gives it a huge shout out and is like, "What a great campaign!" And like, yes, it's a great campaign. I have no idea if it actually. He loves right. it. He loves I agree. It yeah, great. Yes, you, we. Also, there was that whole there was that whole like social media movement around like thanks, thanks Michelle or thanks of whatever it was. And kids would take like pictures of their nasty school lunches. That, like, yeah, because like you know, I they, that. That, like, no, I remember that. Remember that. that, was funny. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, that was really funny. Um, but anyway, my point, my point here was, I get, I think the plate is a good sort of example example of how to make things simpler. I am not sure if or how you would say that. Oh, and now like this is more effective because yeah, to y'all's point, I don't think anyone is like. Oh, I better like inch my vegetables a little further down on the plate. Like I, mm. I hear everything he's saying about like, oh, it gives them something that they can relate to, and I'm like, yeah, but I, is that? I mean, isn't the real test? Is it actually changing behavior? He definitely took on the really difficult test to cover a lot of different kinds of policy and food policy is one of those things where like, it's just there's no one size fits all with food, like at all, in my opinion. Super so. size fits all though. <laughs> It could also be the like just that the food pyramid went away because I definitely remember seeing that all over labels. Yeah, the food pyramid. Yeah, so it's not even that like the food plate has had a lot of effect. It's that the food pyramid is gone. Oh, maybe they were just using it as a no, like to like phase out the food pyramid and like get that out of people's minds. But like, right? They were just he did use a complicated food pyramid. To your point, Walter, it's a stupid idea. So it's not. Well, maybe not. Not that it's a it's stupid. It's not a stupid. Yeah. Proven. Yeah. 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 It, yes. Okay. Yeah. Not He's a stupid idea. Sneaking in the fact that he like, accomplished something. Yeah. Conception. And I think it's the idea. worst thing I've ever. He is like. <laughs> that's. This is the worst yeah. thing I've ever seen. We were looking at a picture of the food pyramid, and it is bad. <laughs> why are we, Why is he climbing? Why stairs? is the person climbing the pyramid? What he does a lot of shilling in this book. Like I totally agree with that. He and loves like, Obama, dude. Yeah. He loves Obama. And it, it, it does, like, he oversteps in a lot of places. And that goes back to your ACA critique, so. I will, I will say, too, that it surprised, on the same note, it surprised me. The one thing I did like about this, and even the political stuff, was 
the process of things. So like the process of his confirmation. While I was like, this probably doesn't belong in the book. No, I skimmed all that. It's at least it, it's it, it's interesting. It's, yeah. Also, the process of developing not so much the, my plate, but uh, developing the miles per gallon. Um, oh, that was cool. Tags. Like focus grouping it. Yeah, yeah. and saying yeah, that was like interesting. Yeah, that was really and also called to mind that. You know, for as much as people want to be like, oh, it's like the big bad government out there. Like, they know how to trick us. And this made me realize, like, they really don't. Like, they're sort of making their best guesses and, like, workshopping some things. But, yeah, like you said, like, the guy, the guy that's doing this stuff isn't even a social psychologist. Yeah, he's, he's a lawyer. lawyer. Yeah, it's, this isn't, this isn't some mastermind. It's just a guy being like, huh. Do you think it would work if we put it on a plate instead of a pyramid? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Do you guys, in the context of Penix class, Sunstein says explicitly how interest groups have played no role, or like from what he's seen, interest groups play no role. Do you buy? Do you think that he's misguided because he is, he did have a high level executive branch position, basically? So, okay, that, that does not surprise me in that, like, he was in an office where he saw little, you know, he, he had little interaction with the public, right? He was not, like, a, a, an elected representative. So I understand why he might make that argument. Whether or not it's true, I have no But why would no he clue. say it, though? Like, that's... Because, I was really probably because he was, why. It was, there was probably accusations lobbed against him by the mm. Glenn Beck types. I'm not, I'm not defending the man. Yeah. I'm just... Yeah. Uh, I can see why that would be the argument. That wasn't a huge mm. point. I was just yeah. wondering. Because, no, no, no. I, yeah. I'm curious about it, too. And now I'm thinking about it. So, like, my play, for example, it's, te- it's yeah. technically a USDA thing. That's yes. not just Sunstein's office saying, like, this right. is the mm-hmm. new thing. So, so I believe him. I believe him when he says that, yeah, like, no one in OIRI was, or was that the name of the name? OIRA. OIRA, excuse yeah. me. Um, was being influenced by inf- interest groups. But the fact of the matter is they weren't, producing things in a vacuum right yeah so eventually whatever department they were making this for like in the case of my plate usda usda had to sign off on this thing and that's probably part of the reason why dairy is still part of the my plate right like the or, or like maybe the like sugar on there big broccoli there's no reason why big broccoli had a big hand oh look i pulled right to it yeah why is dairy on there it's it's, it's a good question because I certainly ain't buying any dairy nor I vitamin D right and calcium yeah but you can get calcium supplements yeah I think look like all this is inside baseball all all of the food conspiracists think that that is strictly the basically dairy cattle lobby being like or dairy lobby I guess well we have all this stuff it's the same as like government cheese like we have all this stuff it is the dairy lobby. You, you need to keep that part of my plate so that people yeah. will continue well, I mean, drinking milk and eating cheese. So back to the Michelle Obama thing. The Let's Move campaign, at the outset, was not about exercise. Like, it, like, it transformed. It may have been called something else in the beginning. It was about like reducing sugar <clears throat> consumption. Yeah. And she got shut down hard by industry. Like, really mm-hmm. fast. Like they pivoted, like all right, yeah. a documentary sort of about it. Yeah, yep. 
I remember there being a big thing where like her recommended lunch meal was like the definition of anorexia too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you like, I don't know. If you have like twelve-year-old LeBron James, like he's he needs to eat like three meals. <laughs> it was like two hundred. Well, okay. Well, as long as he's LeBron. drinking his milk, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. But this gets back to the, the like the the human error part, right? And it, it's not explicitly said in the book anywhere, but people's understanding of what what even the word like average means or statistics right if this my plate thing is meant for you know your typical like 160 pound like 25 year old white guy that 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 average does not apply to everyone and you know yeah that's a good point that's yeah. why the food that's what i was saying before like the food shit like not everyone's diet is like there's no one diet that works for everyone yeah it's fucked no, it, that's absolutely true you just have to make sure that they're not selling poison at us honestly I want to get I want to get back to Joe's question though Joe's question eventually which question one? of the hour which one like what like <laughs> what do we what do we take what do we take away from like oh, leaders, leaders. what are we doing yeah mm. yeah or, or sort of what are your yeah maybe like highest level takeaways from this not necessarily that like okay yeah I'm gonna start nudging people in my day to day or something but it'd be kind of cool to apply it to like how we see ourselves as future leaders like I mean what's a nudge in education gonna be like you should you should talk to Ben Castleman and Brian Kim because that's what they I mean they do there's a ton of nudges in at least in the sort of high school to college transition that I, that's what Ben Castleman, he's done a lot of work on this, like text message things to make sure kids are staying on track in terms of getting all of their like enrollment sort of ch- checklist things done. FAFSA does that, right? He mentions FAFSA in here. Um, well, I think like in regard to like getting people to like fill Oh, do they the, text people? I don't know. The applications. I, maybe I'm wrong. I think they do because um, it's, this, this doesn't come out in the book. There is a, there was, I should say, uh, an office inside the Office of Science and Technology Policy in the White House under Obama called the Social and Behavioral Sciences Team, where it was the White House nudge unit. Wasn't uh, that England? The well, so it was the White House's counter. Okay. Freakonomics has done a number of, like, two or three episodes on the this idea, but Social and Behavioral Sciences Team did exist at one point, and one of the things they did was, uh, they did they dealt with, like, military retirement where they kind of, like, automatically put default people into, like, retirement accounts, and, like, they opt out, got a lot of people in the military, like, signed up for retirement accounts, great. I think FAFSA, and, like, financial aid, think, like, texting programs, similar to what you're mentioning with uh, Castleman, I think that was part of, like, one of their efforts. Where they it makes sense. Yeah. It's become really popular because I mean it is. It's it's relatively low touch. It's inexpensive, and it's. I think I think at least in Ben's case, they've found results. I think another one that may be mentioned in here is defaulting kids having the uh, default be the sort of high level class or like a high level math class, for example. So like, if you don't want to be enrolled in algebra two, you have to like opt out. I don't and think that came up here, did it? It was either here. I read it recently, um, in in the context of nudging. So it, it must not have been in this book. But that's that's another one that came up recently. That was, um, 
I, yeah, I kind of went both ways on it because I was like, okay, like that makes sense. But then in another way, kid's not prepared and the default is, you know, a class that's extraordinarily difficult. That's going to be damaging. So yeah, maybe that is one where it's better. But <clears throat> yeah, that's it's an interesting question whether opting in or opting out is better in that context. Yeah. But I mean, this also speaks to the thing that was going on in Charlottesville, right? Where like the kids who were in like more gifted classes had better resources at their disposal. Yeah, that's where I read this, right? And the, the kids who were in the, the 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 not remedial class, but like the you know the basic class, the resources that they had at their disposal, like the you had to wait till the end of the day till like aftercare and like latchkey yeah. type programs, and it's it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So perhaps defaulting people into that depending on you know it depends on the locality and the municipality wherever the school is and district could be a good thing could be if I'm going to learn anything from psych and this is that like I like and I try to practice checking myself and checking my own biases so that's like I think that's the most important thing like, my big th- takeaway from this book is obviously, like, my whole, like, oh, like, liberalism is great. Love it. <laughs> like, I'm, I love, like, we can come up with new ways and, um, with, like, empirical data and um, clever schemes to get, meet, like, utilitarian goals. So, that's just... I don't have anything else to add besides that for big takeaways. Yeah, I don't know where I'll be in the future, but, like, I would hope that I'm able to in some way, like, implement some kind of defaults that make people's lives somewhat better, like, in a noticeable way. Like, I think it makes sense a lot of, like, you know, I mean, we've had a lot of... um, We've deviated, I guess, from some of his prescriptions, and maybe not prescriptions, but we've found fault with some of his arguments, I guess. But a lot of it still, like, you know, is very compelling. Uh, And I would hope that, you know, a lot of the the book kind of focused on a lot of federal initiatives. So, like, Bloomberg's case on, like, the local level. Yeah. Uh, did come up, but that was like a national news story, right? Sarah Palin, as we mentioned, was involved in like kind of criticizing it. But <laughs> a lot of the stuff seems like I, I would hope that, like, you know, if I ever had a hand in like how policy was implemented, that yeah, states and local governments could actually start implementing this because those are the places where people's lives are touched and have like the most impact at that level. And it seems like from like a leadership perspective, if you're going to actually have the impact, you're going to have to start doing this at, like, a very small level. And I'll get to that in a second, because I got, I got a piece of thing right here. Uh, but yeah, Exhibit if somebody else wants to talk about their, how they relate it, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I like the, like, combination of nudge and simplification, where it's really, <clears throat> like, geared toward non-controversial, like, this just guides you toward the decision you are already going to make. In cases where that's super obvious, I'll jump in because it does. You, you are both making me think. I think my biggest takeaways here: one are, I think helping people to help themselves is a, 
a powerful thing, particularly when you can do it in a, a low touch, and to your point, like uncontroversial way. Like some yeah. of the things he mentions are just unequivocal yeah. goods. Or like yeah. texting people about the FAFSA. That's right. not going to have negative consequences. Right. And I think the second thing that, that, that is coupled with that, and he mentioned this towards the end, um, and it's after he, he goes to that quote from Obama about his suits. And it's like, oh, well, you only have three suits. And it, Obama is just like, yeah, like I, I only have basically like so much bandwidth. Right. You know, I want to make my decisions as easy as possible on things like this. And that was a really compelling idea to me and something that you can even bring outside of the political realm into your like day-to-day life. Like I'm a very indecisive person, I think, generally. So any way I can just nudge myself to be like, this is... <laughs> A, not that critical of a decision, and B, one where there is probably a like right or at least a not wrong answer. If that if I can make that my default, I think that is mental bandwidth and energy that I can spend elsewhere. And I think it dovetails really nicely with Esther Duflo's quote. Um, Duflo, Duflo. I don't know. Yeah. Not so, yeah. yeah. Um, but around particularly for those, you know, in. Of, of lower socioeconomic status who their their bandwidth is so so thin as it is and their margin for error is so so thin as it is anything we can do to increase their bandwidth to focus on other things is I think could be potentially extremely powerful right so any 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 time we can you know keep a kid from having to spend time thinking about FAFSA and instead spend time whatever joining the football team studying anything like that like that's a an unequivocal good so like there's an equity lens to this that I think is really appealing for me I agree oh I remember what I was thinking of um <clears throat> just having room for some of the plugins that you're making assumptions on is key where like what do you mean with like the health insurance kind of thing like you could either enroll Walter automatically based on the 80% or just have a couple questions asking about key things that would totally change your assumption. Mm. Um, I think, like, at least identifying the main things that you're assuming about somebody and making sure that you're correct on those inputs would have a huge difference on that just actually being helpful versus harmful. Yeah, and, and with that, this has also made me think like maybe the, one of the less positive takeaways I have is I, I am still unconvinced that simply providing information is going to bring about change. I think we see that with the cigarettes example. I think we see that with like the college scorecard. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, he, do, he doesn't really seem to wave the white flag on that, but... Just providing information is not yeah, which, which which means that you that you are almost forced to make. I'm not going to say make the sacrifice, but you you have to accept a certain level of not paternalism, probably, but you have to accept a certain level of involvement and and defaulting or opting out, whatever it is, beyond just hey, I am informing you. Now you are informed to make your own decision, because as we see, humans humans are fallible, and even with given limited mental bandwidth they may not fully absorb the information there's a lot of barriers to them using that information in a way that's actually going to 
improve outcomes, I guess, for lack of a better term. Right? My big question is definitely, like, this is all great, but, like, there's still a great deal of the country who will see something like this as, like, in a, like, in a, they'll see it in a negative light. Like, yeah. you're manipulating us, like, you're, this is big government in disguise, this is... And that's why I was so disappointed he framed it all around, and, like, I know he kind of had to, but he framed it all around Obama. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think that it is an inherently, like, liberal, for lack of a better word, thing. Or, I guess, not liberal, but paternalistic thing. Right. Right? And he makes a pretty good case for that, but I think that any, like, we're already fairly receptive to that. It's hard to, like, see this not as... It's hard to, like, not see this book being seen by other people in this country as, like, liberal elitism. Um, and it definitely exactly. is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. And that's, like, the big worry I have, I guess. But do you, th- but do you think it, like, do you think that it inherent it, it seems that way because it, because it is... Or do well, you think it, like there's it, a there is a more conservative case to be made? I think I think there is a conservative case to be made for for this sort of thing, right? Oh, I got some extra stuff. But oh, show your exhibit exhibit yeah, exhibit yeah. A exhibit A. Okay, so I I think this is going to be interesting and it is highly relevant to the conversation. So uh, I. Applied for a mail-in ballot because I'm a voter of New Jersey, and this reads, Important voting information. Please read. This is from Middlesex County Office of the County Clerk. Read it. Dear voter, I am writing to you about a state law amended on August 10th, 2018 regarding voting by mail. This law changes the vote by mail options available to New Jersey voters. Individuals now have the option to apply for a vote-by-mail ballot for a single election or to receive vote-by-mail ballots for all future elections until requested otherwise. Please be advised, if you requested and received a vote-by-mail ballot for the 2016 general election and or have been receiving a vote-by-mail ballot for all November general elections, the amended law requires that your status be changed to vote-by-mail for all future elections. Beginning with the 2018 general election, you will be sent a vote-by-mail ballot for all elections without any further request from you, the voter. So that's, like, the key think, sentence there. Think of all the time, like, all of the staff's time that's being yeah. saved processing these vote-by-mail requests. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get back to that. So, if you do not wish to receive a vote-by-mail ballot for all future elections, okay. kindly complete the vote-by-mail or Removal request form enclosed and return it to my office. Exhibit B, right here. B. B. Please note, you are not required to use this form, but you must notify me in writing if you do not wish to receive vote-by-mail ballots. So I have to now send that out. Please be aware that the law mandates that if you wish to be removed from vote-by-mail, your request cannot be processed until after the 2018 general election. For the 2018 general election, you must cast your vote using the enclosed ballot. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, you get the point. But yeah, to your point about the the administrative kind of um, like savings, that is true. So I, I went through a bit of an ordeal to even actually get my mail-in ballot. 
Uh, I was denied my right to vote because my signature did not match, but that was only because after the 2016 election I became an independent voter, and they had told me that my signature would be updated in the system with the signature that I, signature that I used when signing the forms, and they just didn't bother to do that. So the county clerk denied me my mail-in ballot, so I called the county board of elections, and they were like, yeah, we didn't update it because we just didn't do it. So then they corrected it, and then they called the county clerk, and they right. fixed it. And, yeah, so I got my ballot eventually, but when I was on the phone with them, to your point, Walter, they said, like, yeah, we have a mound, like, stacked from, you know, the floor to the ceiling of documents that we just need to, to deal with with regard to, like, mail-in ballots. So, yes, this does save time and money and effort and... It allows local government to be more efficient and, you know, a little bit more careful with how they allocate their their resources, which I, I'm fine with. Like, it's a little upsetting in that, like, I have to now send out this other piece of paperwork to tell them, like, no, because next year I'm not going to be living here. Don't send it to me. Like, I probably at, this, at that point will... Be a Virginia resident, or you're probably, the, you're probably the exception, not the rule. Right, exactly. Which is like, okay, well, I'm, I'm also going out of my way to get a mail-in ballot, so I'm also like in that category of like I'm part of the voting public, and I'm like part of the attentive public who's actually paying attention to what's going on in the world. Like I'm already more inclined to be on top of this stuff anyway, so it really doesn't matter for me because I'm going to do it anyway. I will say, like the probably the like, okay, they're not too malevolent stuff there and the whole simpler thing is that they made an automatic choice and then like wrote their language kind of like being very like scary about the automatic choice well i wouldn't even say scary it was to your point like they like from earlier like they are making a decision and informing the public yeah, and being like, very transparent about it like here, here here's this state law that was passed <clears throat> you opted to do something and now that you have done it we're going to make sure that you keep doing it until you tell us otherwise yeah. I'm done with it yeah exactly and and we're telling you that we're doing it I, I, have, I don't really have a problem with it so I'm guess I'm the only one that got this um, but I had a letter from the some Virginia Center of Elections or something like that that was like Congratulations, your voter record is 100%. Here are your neighbor's voter records. And Wait, uh, what do you mean 100%? As far as participation. like oh, showing, since, since you became a voter? Since I was a registered voter in the Charlottesville area, yeah. <laughs> so, and they compared wow. me against, like, my neighbors who were registered Charlottesville. So, so Charlottesville is yeah. actually already doing this. <clears throat> to some extent. They're, like, I, they're nudging this was purely informational. There was no administrative. But that like, isn't nuts. So it. why, yeah. why, why did they say like in vote campaign ads like your votes are public? What does that? Why is that important? Your votes are not. I mean the the like the content, whatever you want to like your actual. Or not the vote actual votes not. are not public, but like your voter participation is right, or you're like like. You voted in this election. Like, why is that important for people to know? I don't know. I don't really. It's like the uh, number of kids at college who drink thing. You then baseline against everybody around you. Yeah. Yeah, So for Joe, it doesn't matter because it's like he's already put to the 
person that's like, you've never voted. Everybody else around you is voting. Which is funny that they didn't, and I guess maybe a little reassuring, they didn't target it to just the people where it's nudgy and like, oh shit, your number's lower than everyone around you. Like, yeah, then it's like you're singled out and they're, they're going to be like, at the you guy. Yeah. It's like some Black Mirror thing where, you know, you're trying to keep your social score up. So yeah, that is literally the, much. literally the only episode of Black Mirror I've seen. So I haven't seen any. So it would be relevant, Walter. Super. I'm always remembered. <laughs> so, good discussion. Thanks for listening. Our music is provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Be sure to check out episode three, where I will be interviewing Assemblyman Robert Karabinchak from New Jersey's 18th Legislative District. You want to skip chapter seven, right? Because you we don't have. If you want to talk about it, I'm fine with that. I don't really have much to say about chapter seven. So here here are my notes. I like the pro GMO part, but here are my notes on chapters six, seven, and eight. Weak, boring, and dry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right.